0: Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus. And you're listening to the, uh, human music podcast.
1: Woo! Hmm. Human music podcast. I like it. What's up, humans? It is the Human Music Podcast, back with you one more again. I know y'all listening to this in the future times and after, but here in the present, we just went through something crazy. They call it Black Friday.
2: Dun, dun,
1: dun. Cyber Monday. And uh, I'm curious what my cohorts here bought on those crazy, crazy deal days. I, I want to know what cool tools you got that I get to be jealous of for the rest of the year that I didn't get <laughs> a good deal.
2: You want to kick it off, or Kenny? <laughs> yeah, so your boy's balling on a budget this year. So I Ooh. bought one thing, uh, which was just a tuner for my guitar.
1: Uh, All right. right
2: that's important. a good thing to have next question <laughs> so now you can play a 43
0: 2 hertz or 432
2: and you can play at the
0: woke frequency
2: yeah to be fair i bought like a nice one like one that like plugs in like in line from the guitar to the amp and wanna, it's a poly- show it to us I, I don't have it yet i just
1: oh it's not of course yeah duh we're uh, right that whole yeah, part
2: it's a it's Dipping. a polychromatic strobe tuner so all you guys that are like very interested in this guitar tuner i know you are um a strobe tuner is the most accurate type of guitar tuner in my limited research and uh polychromatic means that you don't just tune one note at a time you literally just strum all six and it'll show you which strings are out of tune so you don't have to like fucking go through all of them uh yeah and it'll like have safe tunings obviously you can like say i want to play drop C or drop G if you're Tesco and a fucking baller. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's, it's super nice. It's normally, I actually did get a deal on it. Normally it's like $150, which seems stupid for a tuner, but it was it was 80 bucks and it's accurate to like 0.02 cents, which for you math nerds out there, one five thousandth of a semitone. So uh, these 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 guitar tracks you're hearing on this new one are going to be recorded with... Precision.
1: I've been waiting to hear in-tune Rip kenny music. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking with you, but that's cool. I mean, like honestly, like $150 to be able to strum all your strings and have a robot tell you which one's not right. Like what? That's yep, badass no, as right? like, fuck. It, 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 you don't have to it, it, just go bing 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 bing. What bing, is my bing. purpose? You tune guitars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, cool. That doesn't seem as bad as passing butter.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. man
1: badass what about you tesco so yeah i also
0: you know every year i realize how much more it is about the skills than it is you know the products but there were just some things that i felt like would would be uh worthwhile this year and i got a little altar boy you know nice little hey. plug in
1: it's very
0: nice yeah we can nerd out about that in a sec here and uh fl studio I was it was what I first started on before I switched to Ableton. Ableton is always number one, baby, especially with 11. Mm, God damn, it's gonna be beautiful. But, you know, I work with a lot of people that that use FL and the workflow is totally different. It's really fun. It's actually been very frustrating to learn the shortcuts. I'm not gonna lie. I've uh, I'm not even gonna go there, but uh, you know it's awesome to connect with with the students I've been working with that are on FL and and you know we keep it pretty da independent as far as concepts go. Music is like writing good music is is da independent, but you know just just being able to connect with more people and 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 share some more FL exclusive tips with y'all, I think that's worthwhile investment.
2: Yeah, I think I, th- yeah. I think Ableton is burning holes in the back of your head right now yeah you bastard <laughs> how could you i mean when uh, 11 comes out i'm
0: yeah, a, am gonna have good. to you know I'll, I'll come back to fl oh and how could i forget it was a bit before black friday but hella rip kenny merch i'm so stoked for that today
2: <laughs> if anyone yeah, i'm if decked out wants still wants a good deal on it even though it's past cyber monday and your sale has officially ended uh hit me up i'll uh i'll like just go into the site and modify the prices for you and give you some extra holiday discounts because Yo, you know maybe, i want people to have the gear man maybe the day this drops and i guess
1: 2 weeks from recording day um we'll just uh re reopen the sale like do uh, do the holiday holiday sale prices yeah, absolutely starting on december 14th is that <laughs> is that the tuesday
2: like that Something uh, like that. Uh, there's like some good stuff in right there. I
1: think uh, the designs are oh, my friends. Yeah. I'll... December 15th. The oh, day you're God. listening to this, if you're on top of shit, is the day the holiday sale starts. Woo-wee. All right. And uh, speaking of which. Yeah, how about you? Well, real quick, as long as we're talking about December 15th sales, I'm just going to make an executive decision for us. if If you're on our email list, you might have gotten that email that said we had the craziest deal we ever did. We sold three huge packs that should have been 70 bucks for $10 on Black Friday. And so shouts out to the people, all our all our awesome humans who got that deal. And uh, on Cyber Monday, some people hadn't gotten that deal. Some people didn't pull the trigger. I don't know why I would have. But we offered to again on Cyber Monday for $15. And a bunch of y'all jumped on that. And we appreciate y'all so much. But, you know, I'm just going to say it. Today, when you're listening to this, December 15th, we're going to do another launch that is $20 for these three huge packs, the Get Dead Bases, the Spice It Up percussion, and the Spice It Up Foley, and we're gonna throw in a spice it up bonus pack that gets a, an unreleased Ooh. Luke Rain and Porch single, uh, and my project stems. And for you reason nerds like me, uh, the reason session I did that shit in. So, damn! Don't how many down. samples is that, Luke? Uh, overall, there are two thousand four hundred and twenty four samples. God damn! And that is not including the project stems. And all the bonuses <coughs> yeah that's it's like one up.
0: spotify stream per sample you can literally uh, upload all those yeah. samples to spotify and get your money back
1: in, uh. in splice <laughs> terms that is two years of splice membership like what's that a hundred and ninety two dollars for 20 bucks in yeah. one day that's hot you're welcome humans yeah happy holidays whichever one you feel like celebrating or ignoring
2: (laughs) (laughs) precisely um i wanted to jump back to fl dude fl has some sick stock plugins
0: yeah yeah and i really like the sequencer in it and man the midi editing is out of this world like i cannot wait to cook up some midi for all of y'all and and hook up our humans with that and just uh, melody loops and stuff man you get like you get a strumizer you get an arpeggiator directly in the midi really you can uh yeah dude it's so nice there's so much stuff you could do you could sl- if you have a long midi note you could slice it up to like do like rolls and stuff it's beautiful that's
1: lit wait wait wait
2: it, say i have a whole like chord progression and each note is a bar you can slice that with one move into just everything's eighth notes mm-hmm.
0: and you can also strum
2: them so they sound human and edit the velocities so they sound realistic Dude, i've been asking for that for so long to, yeah. to no one but the air in my studio but yeah. i dude <laughs> seriously i can't tell you how many times where i'm like no i want to make this like a stabby thing and you got to go through and it's like every every chord and i never write chords that are just a bar it's like this one's fucking half a bar and this note overlaps and it takes like 25 minutes to turn that complicated progression into like stabby eighth notes and mm-hmm. then i realized i liked it better the first way and then i bang my head against my computer and cry um, oh you know what else
0: is so beautiful
2: you can have multiple arrangements in the same project
0: file So like in your sequencer up top you click arrangement one and then like you can lay out your song however you like it and then if you're like hmm this is cool but what if it was like different arrangement then you can hit arrangement two and it opens up a new sequencer for you. So you don't have to make like two versions next to each other you just have like a little selector where you could like try out different arrangements or you could have like one that you do for sound design and dude it's so beautiful they have a shortcut what is it I wrote it down here. It's like Control-Shift-C and Control-Alt-Shift-C. You can just consolidate shit like straight in the sequencer, either from the start of the clip or from the start of the the MIDI sequence or from the, the start of the song itself. And you could just bounce it out directly in it. And then it just makes a channel under it like it's grouped. And it just like bounces out the audio for you.
2: And then you just like swap them. And then you could like just hide the MIDI. You know, you can just freeze it and then option drag the audio down to a new audio tracker.
0: Yeah. It's like,
2: it's really nice for when you have like
0: more complex stuff. Like in Ableton, if you have shit grouped up, you have to resample and like listen to that two minute loop.
2: True.
1: Yeah. Every DAW seems to have like total superpowers and then obviously it also has some like blind Big spots I haven't figured out what the other Daw is doing yet like like control b for duplicate why for the love of god why control
2: bastards <laughs> yeah
1: yeah is b is that in control is that in d. ableton or is that in no Fru- that's Neville? fruity
2: loops is control Neville d and
1: yeah. yeah, in, in reason too
0: as it should be
1: yeah why wouldn't it why would it be any other thing than d all right all right what are you gonna
0: do (laughs) anyway yeah fl's been pretty sick Uh, i'm stoked to put out some fl content for y'all but uh luke you want to talk about what you picked up
1: oh yes son yes i do um so i uh i uh, actually i picked up quite a few things i was not intending to at all i mean Uh, I, uh, I ended up after, after seeing folks in our private Facebook group, uh, pick up, uh, little altar boy and you and, and somebody else were fanboying about it. I had been thinking about it for a while. Lance. Yeah. Shouts out to Lance. And I was like, man, I really feel like I should have this. I love doing pitchy vocals and I can definitely hear the algorithm a little bit when I just straight pitch shift it. And, you know, depending on what I'm doing, sometimes that it's not bothersome. And sometimes it is. And I've been thinking I need a better solution. So I got that. And while I was on the Sound Toys website looking at the crazy deals, I also saw Decapitator had a crazy deal. And so I was like, oh, it's twice as much as little altar Boy still. But I think I need to pull the trigger because that's something quite a few of my homies swear by, like those throw it on their drum bus or whatever. And give everything that extra little bit of punch and uh yeah mm-hmm. i uh i've i've used it i used it once on a, a remix that, that probably dropped today actually as well uh my I, spider hounds i love you like dojo classic is uh being released on the uh on the producer dojo remix of dojo classic cypher shoes and i uh did a collab on a beat Probably like two years ago and then maybe like whatever six months ago or it was like right before the lockdown so i guess like nine months ago now jesus we were uh working together and found that beat and opened it up and we're like oh my god this beat is fucking sick this cool like reggaeton moon baton thing we're like it needs a vocal though and so we go on splice and start clicking through vocals And, like, the third thing we click is, I love you, like, la, 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 la. And I'm like, Spider-Hound, I know where you got your shit. And I, like, texted him immediately. I'm like, I'm remixing your song. (laughs) He's like, oh, cool. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So, Spider-Hound remix coming probably today, (laughs) at least this week. Um, But, yeah, rock and roll on that shit. Might have come out last week. I'm actually still unsure of what the release date is. But so. I, I used decapitator on that rock and roll, uh, and then I have been racking my brain trying to get this uh, this uh, Trapsmiths Merry Trapsmiths EP, my uh, trap instrumental Christmas EP that uh, will have come out a week ago by the time y'all are hearing this, uh, and I have been killing myself. the bells I was using to do the melodies had all these weird resonant frequencies and I was just racking my brain with EQs and like had gone through like 10 versions of the mix, you know, and and was just just getting fed up. And then I said, oh screw it, Soothe is on sale. I bought Soothe too and slapped it on the instrument bus and turned two knobs and the songs were ready to go to distribution. <laughs> it's like okay. Why crazy. have I been avoiding spending this money for so long that was so worth it
2: dude i'm so happy sooth2 is like pretty easy on your processor because oh my god do i abuse that thing (laughs) it ends up on so i mean you guys know by music and my process over distort to the point where it hurts everything and then figure out how to use it um sooth2 is like the only way that that works now i don't know how i did it before uh actually i do like we're <laughs> like literally pl- bounce listen to it on three different systems make tiny changes to the eq bounce it again no still a little piercing in this range keep going now it's just soothe bada bing bada boom i literally think that plug-in alone has contributed to like a percentage point increase in sound quality of my mixdowns
1: yeah, yeah,
0: man. Um, one That's really cool case. thing I like with Sooth too is putting that delta mode on and cranking it all the way and getting all of those most painful frequencies because they're gonna stick out to your ear the most. And if you do it on like a vocal or something, you get this like comb filtery, ghosty vocal, and you just like stick it in the back. And you could like reverb it a bit, and it just like you know that delta mode. It just gives it such a weird. Texture. So it's like, you know, we always talk about contrast. Like, once you learn how to do all these things proper that people tell you about, it just becomes a tool in your arsenal. Part of the mastery is like also knowing when to break that rule. So, like, yeah, Sue takes out all the bad crap, but you could also just crank that and use that as an effect. And yeah. now you have all of those frequencies that stick
1: out. You don't even need to mix this element loud. Your ears are going to catch on to it. And just for anybody that doesn't know what delta mode is on Soothe, delta mode is where you're only listening to the difference between the original and the soothed out track. So it's you're only listening to the resonant frequencies that Soothe is pulling out. It's you're just hearing the change. Delta means like the change between two things. Uh, And so that's what Tesco's talking about. There's a function, it's in the bottom kind of middle next to the bypass button, you hit Delta and then you're only listening to the frequencies that Sooth took out for you. It's meant so that you can like hear like, what am I taking out? Am I taking out too much? Is it the right things? What was I hearing before? And it's a good ear training to just like click on and off and hear what the difference is. Just like it's a good idea to bypass your plugins, but man- Tesco always come in with the sick ways to to like break your tools in in interesting ways to get different kinds of functions like fucking silly yeah. bro.
0: <laughs> just do the wrong thing and find a way to make it work like this is what I tell people to all times like if you're making bass music it feels like the move is always sidechain and it is except for when it's not, for example, like your buildups, do your buildups need to be as tightly side-chained as your drop? No, like typically what I like to do is, is like just roll off my side chain. So when the kicks start going faster, it's like not side-chain, side-chaining anything. And now, I mean, what's the purpose of side-chaining if you think about it, right? It's to create order out of the chaos of all of these elements. But in a buildup, you want this like mush of sound before things get clean again, cut that out. And now it's like, here's this rule everybody's telling you always sidechain, always sidechain. It's like, well, what about if you want to contrast sidechain with no sidechain strategically? You know, it's like all of these wrong ways to do stuff. Like people will say never boost highs. Well, what about when you want that phasing? You know, like always question why you're doing these things and yeah. find creative ways to break it that's how you get like the craziest sounds
1: yeah absolutely and as far as uh you know side chains on a buildup, i the way my mixing template is set up i've got my kicks and snares in one group and my percussion in a separate group and then they sum into my overall drum group but my sidechain key like what the sidechain is listening to that's ducking my basses and my leads is just the the kick and snare group. Mm-hmm. So often I will take my build up kick and snare which are on a separate channel than my drop kick and snare and I'll just tuck them into the percussion group instead of the the big meaty drop drums group and that way Ah, uh, they're not triggering the sidechain at all, just like you're talking about. I think that's yeah. a that's a really good point. Like side chaining is an incredible tool, but it's really important to know not when not to use tools. Like sometimes you need a hammer, and sometimes, good God, don't hammer that.
0: Yeah, man. You know what else I've really been liking rather than side chaining lately? Just shift everything off the grid instead. Like your subs, 808s, whatever. Just shift them off, like. 30, 50 milliseconds or just like slice off that first part of the sound and just leave a total silence. And if you do it right, you can't even hear it.
1: Yeah, I definitely often do that. Like a track I just finished yesterday, one of the Trapsmiths tracks, it sounded better just to roll the front off of the 808 because the 808 kind of had a beefy kick to it, Mm. but I I replaced that kick with a kick that was a little more in tune with what I was going for, for the song. It had the vibe I wanted. And it you know, had a little more thump to it. And so, and then I just like grabbed all of the eight oh eights in the track and then just rolled all of them off. And I just looked at the waveform of what the kick was doing. Like, all right, how long does it take this kick to be nothing? All right, At that moment that it's nothing, the sub is full. And yeah. like you said, it's transparent. And that is essentially a shortcut of what you're doing with the sidechain compressor anyways. as long as you, it's like you you dial in that release time so that it rolls off right when, you know, right when you want it to. And it's a transparent, uh, it's a transparent move.
2: Totally. Anytime I'm working with an 808, that's that's usually what I tend to do just because I like having that control over how, like, how the 808 sweeps in. Because it's more important than, like, just a kick and a sub. Like, you want the sub to pretty much be there when the kick is not, and that's, like, your criteria, right? Um, You just don't want them to overlap. With the 808, though, there's, like, that – there's, like, a fine balance of, like, the thud and then, like, the whoomph, like, the Mm walk of, like, the sub into it. And I just feel like you can get it more natural or just, like, more precise when you're just doing the volume fades. I definitely – I like that.
1: One thing I really like,
2: too, that that
0: Dylan shared with us was – Putting your kick and sub on the same audio track, and you get the tail of the kick, the kick's waveform overlapping. So it's like almost, so it's like, Like you know, yeah, but you can like, you can line it up so the sine wave stays consistent from the kick into the sub.
1: Beautiful. That's super, that's a super dope move. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say also like um, this technique of like rolling it off can be used to make a really nice contrast. Like say your, your 808 has a good attack and impact at the front, but the kick you're using has a bigger you know, meatier beefier attack and thud to it. You can use that as a contrast. So some of the times the 808 hits, it has the kick layered and you roll off that initial kick of the 808. And other times you let the kick of the 808, be the kick, and it gives you that kind of dynamic push and pull of some of these kicks. Like maybe it hits on the one, and it's that super meaty kick, and then the offbeat one after the snare just has the eight oh eight kick, and so it's got that big womp, and then a slightly less wompy womp. Yeah, and I
0: got a question for you guys. Do you prefer audio or MIDI more for drums and? When,
1: what's sort of your criteria for how you choose audio versus MIDI? Um, I can take it first. Uh, audio. Interesting. For a lot of reasons. One, I like seeing the audio. I like I, I like seeing the waveforms in general. I like reading audio. I started uh, by using acid music way, way, way back in the day. And that's all you could do was audio. And so I got really used to just reading the waveforms. I think reading waveforms is one of the most essential skills a producer can have in audio basic audio editing. Plus, then there's so many little things you can do, like stutter edits, you know, turning this one down, pitching that one a little bit, you know, like if you have a hi-hat pattern, you can take like every, you know, the second one and the third one get slightly, you know, less Mm -hmm. in amplitude. And then that fourth one hits you again. So it's like you've got this you know, polyrhythm of the very subtle volume and you can change the pitch on them a little bit and, you know, you can reverse one to go back into the one and get that little whoosh in of a like reversed hi-hat or a reverse kick or snare. Um, You can do snare rolls really easy and like pitch them right there. And I mean, like FL is built to do that in the MIDI because the snare is on its channel and you can just use the piano roll. But like in a lot of other DAWs, like Reason and Ableton, it's not really set up to do that. And then you have to go do a pitch automation and you're getting multiple layers of things that start to clutter up the session. Um, Also, um, you know, I'll use MIDI to start my drums sometimes. Like I make drum kits and I put them in my templates, but I'll usually like use that to quickly bang it out on the pads. And then as soon as I have my patterns, I'll like, I'll like make multiple lanes of the drum kit and flatten, bounce out each individual. Like, okay, there's the kick, there's the snare, there's like the second snare, there's the tom, whatever. And I'll just have each track on its own track just as a two or four bar loop. And then instead of later on having like this entire song length piece of wave file taking up a whole bunch of space on my hard drive, I just have a four bar. Loop that I can just copy paste across the track and have my sessions be significantly smaller. So, lots how of about, how about sense? But how far in do you bounce those down? Usually, when I know that's what I want. Um, yeah, like I, I, I'm my, my workflow is I'll usually either start in like a, a template or maybe I'll just start on the fly. And just start, you know, grabbing stuff out of my library and drag a synth in here and, you know, knowing where my stuff is. And and then as soon as I feel like I've done most of the writing part and I have most of the loops I'm going to use, I'll flatten everything and transfer those stems into my mixing session and, and go into the template, assign everything to the correct buses and do all my like phase three edits and all the fine details once it's all wave and once it's all you know you know once it's all in the in the mix session because i like knowing what the mix is gonna sound like and how all the elements are relating to each other in the balance before i do that final detail editing and finalize my arrangement because sometimes i might think like oh hey you know this sound doesn't really stand on its own, so I got to have a few stacked with it. But once you mix it and you got the frequencies just right, and you added the reverb and the delay, all of a sudden that's a full-ass sound. Oh, turns out that's the whole intro. I didn't need four other sounds with it. That that's captivating by itself, and then I have a lot of escalation I can do from there. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I usually keep in MIDI always is my sub bass patch. Hmm. And that is because, like, if I'm just dragging an 808 from my library onto the sequencer and it's just like this little short waveform and that's what it is, I'll, that's wave. But if I have, like, a patch where I have a, a sub that is on a sampler and I'm using the sampler to play different notes and make it a bass I'll usually just leave that uh, as MIDI the whole time because I've found that, like, say I want to, like, change the tempo of the track when I'm partway through. Like ah, oh, this thing needs to be bumped up for BPM. Everything seems to seamlessly and and transparently pitch, you know, in you know warp correctly. But at least in reason, I've found that some of the time, my sub bases will lose their clarity. Like something will just be slightly off about the warp, and then mm-hmm. it'll just be like the pitch and the texture will be slightly grimy in a way that's not helpful. And I already picked this patch because I liked how it sounded. And one sampler, you know, I like getting down, another reason I like getting down to Wave is because all of those serum patches and all of those drum machines and all of those effects you've layered on shit, you flatten that, now I have all of my CPU back to abuse Soothe and, you know, various, fab filter plugins and shit you know like fucking run nine different pro q3s on you know whatever on on uh on linear phase you know but one little sampler with a sub patch on it is taking up absolutely zero maybe you know half a percent of my total Mm -hmm. processing power so it doesn't really matter and i find that i get better results nice so that's yeah, my I, one uh, midway versus MIDI. What I, about you,
2: Evan? I was gonna say I, I pretty much have nothing to add, but except for, uh, ev- like drums. Okay, so everything in audio except my main kick and snare, because that MIDI routes up to my side chain trigger and then back down to all the side chains. So basically, the MIDI of the kick and snare, I have it that way, so I can literally just put a kick and snare in, and then I don't have, I never have to set up the side chain. It's just already working which just saves time and also saves the issue of you like how it sounded before the sidechain was fully going strong um i used to fall in that pitfall a lot and then you kind of make this like half-assed compromise of like what your sidechain should be and like what you kind of liked the way before how it sounded um but yeah so then everything else audio uh even like snare accent layers i prefer to do in audio for the same reason as why I like to do hi-hats and other percussion, like, like Luke said, if, if you have a hi-hat rhythm and you just got like repeating eighth notes, if you put that in MIDI, basically your controls are length and velocity in Ableton that are like really easily acceptable, like as- accessible. But when it's in audio, you can use the manual volume fades on those hi-hats to like just do little micro adjustments to how they accent. And so then it's like, like a drummer, like playing a repeating eighth note rhythm, like not, all of those are going to be the exact same. So unless you're doing like trap drums or something like for hip hop, where it's like, that's the sound. Like it just sounds way more natural. And like Luke said, you can adjust the pitch of them. Like just like in the audio sample in Ableton, just like grab that slider and just pull it up like five cents and then put the next one down three cents and pull this one up half a DB and this one down half a DB. And if you do volume plus detune, plus a little bit of work on the fades, instantly all of those sound so much more natural and you don't have to do a whole lot if you have a repeating eighth note hi-hat pattern just do like like eight is more than enough and like most of the time I'll just do four duplicate the four and then like change a couple things on the next four and then like that's that's my eight if it's like a repeating rhythm like that but um Yeah, and then as far as bouncing stuff down to audio, I'm fucking terrible at this, man. Like I have serious commitment issues when it comes to audio. Like, you know, you got like that pluck in your buildup that's like a complicated ARP and you got like 10 lanes of automation on the reverb and the filter and the distortion and this and that and the other thing. And like, every time you bounce, you're like, I think it opened up just like a little bit too much at the end, you kind of adjust it, take it back down. So I'm just, I'm a tweaker. So I just like, (laughs) even when I bounce something, I literally freeze it, turn it off and then duplicate it and flatten it. So I have the copy to go back to. Um,
1: I feel that. That's, That's the same as me working in the
2: two session
1: method where it's like, this session is all MIDI. Everything in case I messed up on this bounce, all I have to do is open that session hit the tweaks, rebounce and import. You know, it's like I'm too late. It's I don't a want to little I feel I'm you. I usually don't go back. It's like maybe five percent of songs I end up going back, but I always keep that initial session in the same folder. Just like hanging out, just in case I need to go back and get something. Yeah. Or if I decide I want to like loop menu something, then I'll just like grab that that device, copy the whole device with its MIDI in, and then do and then do my preset shredding and just flatten a bunch of things in a row or resample a bunch of things in a row. Uh, And then, you know, like, like I said, usually it's when I think I'm probably done making loops is when I bounce everything, but often I'll go back from after phase five, I've mastered the track. I'll listen to it and be like, nah, I need more variation. Let me go back to phase one and do more, more loop creation and more sound design and, and just, you know, we talk about the five phases a lot in the dojo it starts with like sound design and loop creation then you move to arrangement phase three is details and transition phase four is the mix and phase five is mastering but I like to tell my students like this is like a just a checklist of things that need to be done for the song to be done but it is not in any way a concrete order of you have to finish this all the way before you move to that like move through the process, get your first draft done, throw a mix and master on it. And then you'll certainly end up back in those earlier phases on your other drafts.
0: Yeah, amen. Also um, for Abletoners, if you add your project folder to the sidebar explorer thing on the left, you can actually open up those project folders and drag in channels from previous projects. So it's tight. If you save multiple versions, you just call chords MIDI or lead MIDI or whatever. And then you save a new version, bounce it down. If you ever got to go back,
1: it's easy as drag and drop. That's badass. I did not even know yeah. that as a, as a reason. Tight.
2: To, it is. I, it is super cool. I, I will say that I'm still almost too lazy to do that sometimes because sometimes it crashes Ableton when I pull in because like the sound that i don't want to bounce is the one that's super complicated and has all these automations and crazy plugins and shit and then i mean it's not it's really rare but everyone knows how much a crash can just take you out of flow state yeah even if you're just mixing the record like i just prefer not to have to do that i i do i use that all the time in the writing phase when i'm like the project's still empty. I, I know that there's not a bunch of processor limitation that I'm running into. And I just like, oh, that one sound that I used in this other one, like that would be a good starting place to resample for this. Just pull it in. Um, the only thing, if, if you're working in the same session and you do a save as, and then you continue and you're like, you haven't closed Ableton yet and you want to like use, go back and grab that. It's not going to be there yet. You gotta close Ableton and reopen it. At least for me. Really, um, yeah. I don't think that's the case. Maybe for you. <laughs> well, yeah, I might have. I've wondered about this because my my main folder where I keep my projects is on the cloud, like Apple iCloud. Mm. So that it's got a cloud backup. Plus, I have an external hard drive, like backup. Plus, another separate. OCD backup for projects that I like. That's how you do it. <laughs> um But I wonder if it. I I have wondered if it's related to that because it's it's like one a thing or whatever. I don't know. One thing to note as
1: well
0: that rescan plugins button in the preferences hmm. works for all of your folders and your. No, no. Does it
2: whatever. really? So, I've always yeah. wondered that. Like, yeah. Good. To well, know. there's there's my answer. Yeah, so you learn something new every day, boys. So yeah. having this to the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and I just want to say, just throw this yeah. out that One of the cool things about Reason is you can have a multiple project windows open at the same time. And that's why the methods I'm talking about work so well for Reason mm-hmm. specifically. It's because like, I don't have to like bounce all my stems all the way out and then close that session and open a new one and then import all these stems. All I have to do, is like I'm in the MIDI session where I'm banging all the loops out. And then I'm like, oh, this is pretty lit. Grab them all, right click and say bounce in place which is a one step freeze and flatten process where it leaves the MIDI there. It just mutes the MIDI clip and replaces it with an audio clip in one click. And then all I have to do is open my mixing template. It pops open. I copy all the audio tracks, select all the audio tracks, hit copy and hit paste in the new session. And it goes bloop. And then I save and close the MIDI session. And if I ever need to grab something, I just open the MIDI session, have it on the next screen and copy paste it, drag it over. Like it's it's less of a hassle because of the, you know, the reason reality where I can just have multiple windows open where that that can't happen in Ableton.
2: Honestly, like you
1: guys have that cool cheat code of being able to drag and drop shit from your project from inside your library window. That's, that's nuts.
2: Yeah, it's but uh, that, what you were just talking about is is actually I think better.
1: I think so too.
2: Because yeah, uh, it that just you you'd have more control. But yeah, I like my giant mess of a project always takes like five minutes or more to load sometimes. So it's like, and and Ableton usually crashes when I quit the giant mess of a project file. And like it like can't think hard enough to like close all of the it's like you're
0: fired. No, I quit. Yeah. yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. Luckily that's... it it saves before it tries to quit the project. So uh well,
1: that's good. At least there's that.
2: But now I feel you.
1: Yeah. That's why that's why I tell all my students who are like dealing with this issue and, and most of my students are Ableton users, just like, yo, like if you're getting to this point where it's like you don't want to get rid of these things and you're scared to delete your MIDI, just hit save as and then delete all the MIDI. So in case you need to go back to it, it is right there in that other project. It's never mm-hmm. actually gone. But now this new version of your session just has so much more RAM and, and CPU available for you.
2: Dude, I'm so, I'm so then, OCD. So my, my old uh, laptop, my MacBook Pro mid-2012 or whatever, used to have such bad crashing issues with Ableton when I got a busy project that any time... I like loaded up like a a complicated instrument rack of something that I saved. I would do a save as because I know if I add this thing and it crashes and I try to open the project again, I might not be able to open it again. Like that happened Mm -hmm. to me on my Mac and literally would be like, sometimes it would open and I'd be like, hold my breath. Like, Oh fuck project open. And then I would like try and like tiptoe down and like delete something and then, if I tried to delete like three tracks at once, it would crash again. Then I got to like try and restart my computer five times to open it. Dude, it was a nightmare. Is this why
1: 7-8 calls it unstableton?
2: <laughs> Potentially. Uh, <laughs> but literally, I just, I got such an OCD from that. that now like, dude, by the time I have a finished project, I probably have like, it's gotten better. It used to be like a hundred save as's. Now it's down to like 60.
1: I like the term e. save ases. <laughs> I'm going to start saying that. I like save, that your as. Of save your ases. Number of as. Save, save your ases. As I was talking to a student the other day that was saying he, like, every time he makes a change, he hits save as on the project. And so, like, all of his projects have, like, 10 or 15 versions. I'm like, man, I cannot do that to myself. 10 or 15? Oh, 10 or 15, sick? that's cute. Bro. Bro. Like, that's what I'm saying. Level up. I'm, I can't bro. even do that shit. I'm like, I have, I used to do three because my old computer couldn't handle a mixing chain of plugins and a mastering chain of plugins at the same time. On this new computer, it's got the beef to do it. So two, I have the MIDI session and the mix master session, and that's it. Two sessions per song every single time, unless I have some like catastrophic mix problem and need to start the mix over, and then I just hit save as, zero everything out. And yeah, okay, keep that but what's like, a
2: reference? What about what about when you have like a really finicky patch in Serum and it's like almost there, but you know that you need to make a bunch of changes inside the synth and you're not going to be able to undo everything that you're doing cleanly. You don't save as? I mean,
1: I I don't have a lot of finicky patches. Uh Sounds like a really I, I don't be I don't be <laughs> I don't I don't design my serum patches. I wait oh, I wait for Ripkeny and Tesco to come up with a new Bastion Syndrome to me or I go buy the Cryptochronica and Hexus ones like I just did on Black Friday. Call back. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> but Man, you know, I just like, mud pie it till it sounds right. Can sounds, I just say the though, best patches are extra finicky. I'm telling you.
1: Can I just say though finicky patch sounds like a beautiful beautiful countryside in Ireland? <laughs> oh, I just came back from Finicky Patch. <laughs> That's so, was so funny. funny.
0: As soon as you said that, when you were going on that point, <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> uh-huh. So yes, confirmed.
1: All it right. Does. Well, shouts to Finicky Patch. That's all the time we got for today. All our listeners
2: Finicky Patch, we yeah. love you. Finicky
1: my, Patch, Ireland,
2: shouts. You're my favorite part of Ireland. And hey, also just big shouts
1: to... Uh, Columbus, Ohio, for some reason our highest listened to place in the country, in the world still. So
2: kicks ass. Woo. That's Columbus. Except
1: except that guy, because you know, genocide. What? Peace among worlds, fuck Christopher (laughs)
2: Columbus.
1: (laughs) Peace. I like it. What's up, humans? Thank you so much for listening to the Human Music Podcast. We truly appreciate you. In fact, we made you a gift. Click on the link in the episode description to get our new sample pack for free. It has some of our favorite basses, FX, percussions, and Foley sounds to instantly level up your productions. As always, remember to rate and subscribe, and we'll get back at you with a new episode every Tuesday. Peace, and peace among worlds.